A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit BeNext.ThinkMOCO.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 88 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. Our 2022 positional previews continue today with the illustrious shortstop position and a great guest as well. But first, let's bring in my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, bud? No, not too much. This is a fun position, so it should be a fun talk. And yeah, we're, we're grinding through the redraft positional previews we hit the dynasty and prospects so those were a blast obviously but hitting the hitting stride with the redraft and yeah this will crazy it's full swing draft season now about six drafts going on right now right too much i wasn't up on the clock and all of them at once but hey it's fun that's that's the best part of it is drafting so sure yeah everybody loves draft season and I gotta say, I'm glad that your camera is back to its normal like zoom because yeah. it was it Chris's camera was we do it on the stream yard and Chris's camera was like zoomed out for some oh odd reason God. last time. And it's like I could see like stuff I don't usually see, like a bookcase <laughs> and the door and a chair. I was I was so thrown off. So it's back to its usual, you know, zoom centered, centered on the World Series champs. Yeah, the got the, the 2021 flag. World Series champs banner yeah. behind you. I need to light up that bat. I've got the San Fernando Tatis Jr. bat. I need that like lit up in that case because that's oh, pretty that's sick. a bat. Yeah, it's a bat above it. I thought I saw that. I thought that was like some like you know air conditioning unit <laughs> type of thing or no. something. It's, it's, like, a, it's okay. a bat case with a signed Tatis bat in it. I okay, won that from I, the Fantasy Pros contest like two years ago. I can see the bat now. Okay, yeah. So just I can really like looked closely. I just assumed it was some like air conditioning thing no. for your for your office there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> A signed Tatis bat is much cooler. Yeah, well, so uh, no pun in, no pun intended. <laughs> 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 All right, let's bring in our guest. Uh, our guest today is a new writer for us here at Fantrax, and you can also find his work at Prospects Worldwide. A Phillies fan, I'm guessing, from the looks of his profile picture. Matt Heckman yeah. is in the tool shed with us. Matt, thanks for coming on. How are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. Uh, Chris mentioning the Atlanta Braves World Series hurt a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I am a Phillies fan staring at that on his screen. It hurts me a little bit, but I'm excited to be on the show. I'm looking forward to talking about shortstops. I know we have a lot of good rankings. I have some different opinions than Chris on a few of the guys, so I'm excited to get into it. 
Yeah. I, I thought it'd be good rank, good good debates. I know we published our staff rankings and we had chatted a little bit about you know the differences. So it'll be fun to have some good debates. Debates are always healthy on the podcast. So I, I really enjoy that. Absolutely. We we had a nice uh Devers Machado debate last week, and it just shows that you could have a debate with someone and not be mad at them afterwards. <laughs> we all do di- yeah. we all disagree. If we all said the same stuff and liked the same players, baseball would be boring. So yeah. Some some of my I'm a Red Sox fan. Some of my best conversations have been with Yankee fans. You know, yeah. just just enjoy baseball. I don't care who you root for. Just enjoy baseball. That's all I care about. And I, I want to say, I'm pretty sure Chris, you did you put that banner there in spite. I know you've had it there for a while, but I'm just gonna say I'm gonna run with this that you put it there just to rub it in Matt's face. <laughs> yep, yep. Just flying it against the Phillies. You know, hey, we, we've waited long enough. The Phillies had had a World Series championship. You know. Well before the Braves did, and as the, far as like last recent, that recent was what two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. They haven't made the playoffs since two thousand and eleven, though. So Jeez. it's been a Real, long I mean, drought. Do they have so, the second longest drought to the Mariners? Yep, second wow. longest to the Mariners. I was wow. hoping the uh, Mariners would make it. I kind of wanted the uh, title of longest drought at this point. <laughs> that is, but yeah, that's crazy. I never, never would have guessed that the Phillies had the second longest drought. That's. Gr- Growing up, I was blessed because I started watching baseball probably 2007, which is when they went on their big run. And yeah. then 07, 08, 09, 10, 11, they were unreal. And now it's just. Yeah, those nothing. were the, the uh, let's see, Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins, Doc Holliday, um, uh, who, Victorino Lee. was there. Cliff Lee. Dang yeah, it. Cliff Lee. Cole uh, Hamels. Who's the other? Oh, yes, that that was a dirty pitching staff. Who's the other outfielder? I used to kind of like, oh, Aaron Rowan was there for a bit. Yeah. He was solid for a few years. Yeah, that was a good, uh, you know, half century or so, half century, half decade or so for Phillies uh, <laughs> no, fans. Hey, now yeah. you got Bryce Harper. So, yeah, he's fun, I guess. But the rest I of like the Harper. <laughs> I love Harper, Harper. I love Harper. I love Harper. Him. Harper is good for the game. I think so. Everybody hates on him, but even as exactly. a Bryce fan, I really like him. You need people to hate. Like that's why like football, when you know the recent retiring of Tom Brady, foot football was better because Tom Brady was there. Whether you loved him or you yeah. hate him, it created discussion, it created banter, it created debates. Like Harper, people think Harper's overrated, and he, he just won the damn MVP award. So yeah, yeah. Harper yeah, is great true. for Harper is great for baseball, but Harper does not play shortstop though, and so we will not <laughs> be talking about Bryce Harper today. But we'll be talking about a ton of great names. But before we get into that, the usual housekeeping. You can find us all on Twitter. Matt is at Heckman, H-E-C-K-M-A-N, underscore Matt, 115. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 4 And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. And check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed, for extra content from both Chris and I. And, of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our 2022 draft kit with a ton of fun content in there. But let's get right into it. As we said, shortstops today, one of the most fun positions to talk about in all of baseball. Uh, so let's get right into it with some general positional strategy and overview. Matt, when you look at this always deep position, how are you targeting shortstop in your draft so far this year? So I have a few guys that I really like that aren't going in the first round. I like um, Corey Seager a lot. I like Xander Bogarts a lot. And so Francisco Lindor, I'm the highest on. I'm sure we'll get into him in a little bit. 
out of the three of us. And actually in our consensus rankings, I think I was the highest on Lindor. So I like that range. They're going seven Xander, eight Lindor, Seager's all the way down at 12. I like that range and I'm okay passing on some of the top guys. And that's kind of been my strategy so far with it. Yeah, Xander, I feel, is always underrated. And I'm, I'm not just saying that because I'm a Red Sox fan. I just feel like year in, year out, he's just one of the top options. But then he keeps following a good 10, 15 picks past where he should. So, yeah, those, those are definitely three great targets. I love Seager as well. I think, yeah, he gets injured a little too much. But he's one of the, you know, if we're talking about just pure hitting shortstops, he's easily top five, maybe even top three. Like, he's that good of a hitter. Uh, Chris, how have you been approaching this position so far? Yeah, it depends on how the draft board falls, I think. And that, it's interesting because you honestly don't want to wait too long. It, I get very uncomfortable past Willie Adamas, and he's going at pick 130. And yeah. that's that's not fun when you get there. And you're like, all right, shortstop's D. But then you, you get to that spot, and it's like, crap, I just missed on everybody. And then you have to settle for someone that I personally don't really love. And, yeah, there's some players going after that that I think have some – Decent upside, but you're running real risk by not taking a short stop in the top 100 picks, I think. And I just think that Adamas and Dansby Swanson are the latest I want to go, and they're going at 128 and 130. So the 17th and 18th short stops off the board. And it's interesting because a lot of these guys have multi-position eligibility. So, you know, you may draft Trey Turner and play him at second. So it really cuts down the pool because Tatis has outfield. Simeon has second and short. Baez second and short. Jazz second and short. Polanco second and short, Cronenworth first, second, short. So a lot of those guys may be going elsewhere, and yeah, it's stacked. Like the position is very stacked, but also at the same time, it bottoms out quick. So every draft I've done, I've highly regretted if I don't get a shortstop before Adamas and Swanson go. So I'm willing to push those guys up even further if I haven't got anybody yet. But yeah, there's some good values. You don't necessarily have to take a top pick on them, even though we have three going in the top five picks. You don't have to go that high because I think there's there's solid values across the board, especially in that top 100 range. A lot of guys I like, so we'll get into them. But, yeah, don't wait too long because you're really going to regret that. Yeah, you almost fall into a trap where you just think, oh, shortstop is deep, which it is, and I'll, I'll wait on it. You wait too fast, especially if you're, like, on one of the one of the uh, the turns or near the turn, like picking, you know, 14th out of 15 or second or whatever. And you think, oh, I'll, I'll wait till the, it comes back around to me, 20-whatever picks from now. Then all of a sudden, like, uh, Correa goes and Cornerworth goes and Swanson goes and Adames goes. And then you're stuck with your starting shortstop being someone like Ahmed Rosario or Luis Arias or someone like that. So, yeah, definitely you can wait. Just don't wait too long because, yeah, as, as Chris mentioned, it bottoms out hard. Not in terms of ADP because there's still you – know, there's not like a big gap ADP-wise between Adames and the, the next group of players, but – in terms of talent-wise, in terms of safety, in terms of this comfortability in who I want as my starting shortstop, I don't want guys below that. And just to put it in perspective, Adames is the 18th shortstop off the board. And yes, like Chris mentioned, like at least six or seven of those guys have multi-position eligibility. But yeah, don't wait too long. Um, but yeah, I love this position. Usually, I try to get, you know, I, I usually li- like to have my shortstop after the, you know, before the top 100 picks. So that gives me there's 14 going in the top 100. So. I've been kind of settling into that that six, the back end more like the sixty to a hundred range with some good targets back there. But I found myself getting a lot of like that second tier of Tim Anderson, Story, and even Semyon, who I think is kind of fallen to a, a more uh, an ADP that I'm more comfortable with taking him at. 
uh, in the low 40s now. Bogarts, Lindor, a lot of good targets there. So um, if I yeah, I'll try to hit that second tier, if not that fourth tier near the back of the top 100. But let's go right to the top here. Well, we already talked Trey Turner a good amount last uh, episode, or no, two episodes ago on the second base. So we won't really dive into him too much. You know, he's the consensus number one overall player for a lot of people, ADP of 1.3. But right behind him is Fernando Tatis Jr. at 2.5. Uh, he's been taking number one in a lot of drafts, but has a bit more risk. Obviously, last year, still put up the huge numbers in just 546 plate appearances. Still put up 42 home runs, 25 steals. 99 runs and 97 RBI. He'll be dual eligible this year, shortstop and outfields. But are we worried about Tatis's shoulder? Obviously, he's shown, like like with Acuna, that even in five months' worth of, of action, you can still put up generational-type numbers. But is he a little too risky to be taking in the top three where he's going? Uh, Matt, if you were the top three pick, you know, let's say Turner goes uh, one and you got the number two or number three pick, Tatis is sitting there. Are you comfortable with that shoulder and taking Tatis there? I think I am. And that's not to say I'm not worried about it. I was doing some research actually earlier today preparing for this podcast. And I read an article from a doctor who focuses on shoulder subluxing. And he said, if you don't get surgery, it you actually re-injure it like 64% of the time. And so I think he's going to miss some time. I think I have him projected for 141 games. But even in those 141 games, I think he's so good and he gives you so much value, stealing bases, hitting home runs, batting average. He does it all, all five categories. I think the chances, if you get 150 games, he can win you your league. And so I might be a little high in projecting 141, but I think he's worth the risk. Like he's that good. I don't think 141 is too high. I mean, last year he played in, uh, what did he play in last year? 130 last year. So, you know, 140, I think, is right. You probably have to, even if he doesn't have an IL stint, maybe they just give him an extra day off here and there to keep him fresh. As, you know, I think San Diego still hopes they're going to be a playoff team next year. So, um, yeah, I think 140 is about right. And, yeah, even 140, you saw what he did, 130, 42, 25. This is a, there's only two guys in baseball that can go 50 plus, 30 plus. Him and Acuna both kind of are coming into the year with, you know, injury concerns, obviously much different injuries, but they still could put up 40-25 in, you know, 80 to 85% of the season. So, yeah, I, you know, that top three, I'm, I'm okay taking Tatis there just because 140 games of him is still a top five player. And 150, 155 is the number one overall player ahead of Turner. We love Turner, but Tatis has higher upside. That's just, that's just how it is. So I'm fine taking him top three if I have a top three pick. And I have in a couple of drafts so far. Chris, how about you? Have you seen his zips projection? How silly it is. I was Using, pulling up, I put yeah. I just pulled up steamer, but what 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 zips? Well, well, zips projects him at 130 games, but then they also have the zips DC, which is where uh the fan crafts crew goes in and like redoes the the um, plate appearances. Yeah. The zips DC has him at 151 games, 651 plate appearances, 52 home runs, 36 <laughs> stolen bases, 125 runs, and 131 RBI with a 297 average. That is insane. Like that would 
if he hits that, he will be the number one player by a mile and a half. Country mile. Like that, those are the numbers you get when you like or you're playing MLB the show on like beginner mode or whatever, <laughs> easy mode, whatever they call it. I haven't played yeah. MLB the show in the forever, but yeah, those are just video game numbers. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like that's what he's paced for his career, which is nuts. I mean, if he hits 651 plate appearances, like that's exactly what he's done for his career. So like it's not outrageous to think that, but dang, like that would be nuts. And yeah, I don't think you're low on at all at a hundred or too high at 140 games. I mean, his projections range anywhere from 130 to, to 151, like I mentioned. So yeah, sweet spot being 140 there. I mean, dang, that's hard to pass up. Even if he does miss a little time, we saw it. I mean, play through the injury last year and he was still completely fine and performed at a high level. So yeah, I'm not overly concerned, honestly. I mean, you look at what he did and just absolutely nuts. So yeah, I'm, I'm on board with the, him easily. It was the, even the top pick potentially. It just depends on, you know, how I plan to build the team. And I think that that matters, but yeah, I'm totally on board with this. Yeah, yeah I sure. think, I'll go ahead, Matt. I, I think the designated hitter could help him get him off away sure. from shortstop a little bit. Cause that's what they tried to do last year, moving him to the outfield. And so even just, if he's not throwing as much, I think that could help him a little bit. Yeah, I certainly agree there. Anything to keep that bat in the lineup. You know, and, and I, I was one that when he had that injury and he was, it was rumored that he was coming back sooner than expected. I was one that was really skeptical of that, but you know, he showed me, you know, when you're such a premium athlete like him or like Acuna is, I think Acuna will be fine as well. And you can come back from things a little bit quicker than, you know, the average person, like, like three of us could, uh, could do that's for sure. Uh, moving on here to the next one. This would be a fun little conversation because I think Matt, you had this player ranked a bit lower uh, in in your consensus rankings, I'm trying to find where you had him. I'm on the wrong tab. Why am I on pitcher? Um, so many tabs on this sheet. Yes, you had this particular shortstop sixth in your shortstop rankings. Not sixth overall, sixth in your shortstop rankings. And well, Chris and I, I'm assuming we had him. Do we have him two or? Oh, we, have, we both had him three overall behind Turner and Tatis, and that's Mr. Bo Bichette. So Matt, I'll give you the floor here. What is it? Why did you rank? Mr. Bobichet, my boy, Bo flows sixth at this position. What do, what do you see in the profile? So I want to make it clear. I like Bobichet. I think the top of shortstop is pretty loaded. And so we're going to get into another guy. I think next that I ranked way lower that I don't necessarily like as much, but I like Bobichet. I just think people are getting too caught up in projecting linear progression for him. I don't think it always happens like that. I think he's got a lower floor than some of the other guys because of the walks. I know I was talking to Chris about this and he says that the walks actually or lower, less walks are something that he looks for because putting the bat on the ball more, I think the floor is lower. If you're not getting on base, especially you like the steals with Bichette. If he's not walking as much, not getting on base as much, I think that could affect it. His launch angle was dropping a little bit. So drop in line drive percentage, and he was still having a 354 Babbitt. I think that would come down a little bit potentially. Um, I just think if that Babbitt drops some, his floor is way lower than a lot of the other guys up there. And so I think he's more likely to regress a little bit and still be a good player, but regress a little bit than necessarily keep progressing at the rate he has. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, and so like what what he's talking about is you know I don't necessarily see the low walk rate as a bad thing, and certainly if you're an OBP league, I do think that that is a detriment. But in a standard five by five league, and while yes, I think the walks do show plate discipline, I also think that 
you know, when you look at the kind of contact that, that Bo makes, like I'm actually not opposed to him walking at a lower rate. I mean, his first career 5.7%. That's, you know, below league average. But when what he does is make consistent contact, I mean, 80% contact and in the zone, 88.9%. It's interesting, though, because he, he does chase out of the zone a little often. I do think that's a slight concern, which probably does like, you know, lead him to walk less because he's chasing a last year a 42.5% rate, which is right in line with his career average of 42. So that's a pretty high chase rate when you when you look at that. And that's not always a good thing. So I do see um some potential there. If he continues to chase at a high rate, he could be affected by that. But his swinging strike rate's about league average. So yeah, overall, he did actually benefit from a low call strike rate last year, which you know we could see come up. His first two years called strike rates of 14.1%. Last year was 10.3. So called strikes are fluky. It's not a, you know, thing that we see consistency with. So that's when we look at league average and, you know, the league average called strike rate is a little higher than that. So I expect that to, to change a little bit. So yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, the more you dig, I think that y- you can see, you can prick a couple of holes here, but at the end of the day, I mean, we, we saw what he did last year. He hit 29 home runs, stole 25 bags, stayed healthy. I mean, that's what we've seen. He's, had 690 plate appearances in one of the best lineups in baseball, which also is encouraging. But I do see the uh, the couple of negatives there, and you know the the slugging percentage at 44. While it's good, it's not like elite by any means. And I don't know, it's it's interesting. I still like Bo. I still I think that he could return number one overall value if he goes 30 30, which is is possible. But we could also see the steals take a step back. But I will point out he was 25 of 26 last year. Like. That's a huge, huge thing for me is when they steal at a high rate. And that's, that's I mean, being only, only caught one time in 26 attempts is very encouraging. That'll keep you getting the green light. So, yeah, it's fun, dis- fun discussion for sure. But, yeah, I'm, I'm still in on Bo. I'm definitely in on Bo. I think everyone that knows me knows that. I've always loved Bo. And the thing with Bo that I'm not, yes, the chase rate is very high. Like you said, the chase rate last year, like Chris mentioned, 38.1%, which is well above league average by around 10%. But at the same time, his whiff rate was better than league average. Whiff rate was running 22.3%. It's just Bo now is the same guy that I saw back in double A when I was seeing him and Vladdy and Biggio and Gurriel in double A New Hampshire. You know, he's aggressive, obviously, but. I think with his contact skills, he can just put the bat on the ball. Like you've seen, like his swing rates are high, his chase rates are high, but the fact that his whiff rates are still low, plus the contact rates are high, as Chris mentioned, you know, I'm not overly worried. You know, his walk rates around six percent. That's fine. K rate was under twenty percent. XBA was two ninety one. Like I think Bo is absolutely legit. Like what we saw last year, I think is a very fair expectation of what we can expect moving forward, and maybe even a little more. I wouldn't be surprised to see that home run right, you know, get up or home runs get up into the low thirties, put up like a 32, 26 season or something like that. You know, while you know being one of the top run scored guys in the league, hitting high in that loaded Toronto lineup, even even without Semyon, well, hopefully they bring in another bat like they've been kind of rumored to, whether it's Joe Ram, whoever. That's still going to be a very loaded lineup. You'll have Vladdy and T. Oscar among and Springer getting right in front of him or behind him. So, yeah, I think there's just he's just a five category stud. In, in the ad, there's slight concern with how much how aggressive he can be. Maybe that does get him in some trouble at times, but it really hasn't yet. And we've seen that kind of aggressive approach work for others. Like obviously, Vlad Guerrero Senior comes to mind. Uh, Adam Jones, obviously to a lesser extent, but he was always aggressive, but put the bat on the ball consistently and drove the ball. 
Like Bo Campbell has really good quality of contact metrics, really good contact metrics in general, plus a good sprint speed. So I'm I'm in. You know, I, I love Bo, and I'll be fine taking him in, in top five uh, if I get a pick there. Though I haven't had many picks in that four, five, six range. I've been a lot in the seven, eight, nine, or tail end of the uh, round. So I don't have many shares of Bo yet this year, but uh, plenty more drafting to be done. So I'm sure I'll get at least a few shares of my boy Bo here. Uh, but moving on to the next one here. Uh, Tim Anderson, he's another guy that's had a you know overly aggressive approach, but with higher contact rates. And I think every year, a lot of people kind of just waiting for the wheels to fall off. Like, all right, last year wasn't legit. Oh, last year wasn't legit. But now this is, we're looking at, what, the last three years, he's hit well over 300. Last year at 309 was actually his worst average season in the last three. He hit 322 back in 2020, 335 back in 2019. He's always been right around like a 20-20 pace or like right below that. So not huge power speed, but just that consistency has been a, a huge thing for Anderson's value. He's coming off the board as the fourth shortstop, barely ahead of Trevor Story, uh, 36.0 to 36.3. And But Matt, you're not, you're not liking Tim Anderson either, are you? So what is it about Tim Anderson that you don't like? So this is the other guy I knew we were going to talk about. Tim Anderson is somebody <laughs> that I am. Um fading i like bichette i still bichette rank six i think it's just a deep position there and so that's why i've been a little uncomfortable taking bichette in the top 10 picks but um tim anderson is somebody i think is going high i think the wheels you can say a 309 average the wheels are not falling off but that 309 (laughs) average is down from 322 the year before 335 the year before that and so i think we're starting to see that babip is starting to come down a little bit that batting average came down. I mean, according, based on Savant, the X batting average is all the way down to 280. And 280 is still a very good hitter, but it's all the way down to 280 compared to 291 the year before, 287 the year before that. The slugging's down. The launch angle dropped to 4.3 degrees. Again, similar to Bichette, Tim Anderson just doesn't walk. He doesn't get on base like that. Um, I just, I, I'm one of those people, I've been saying the wheels are going to fall off on Tim Anderson the last three years, and I've been wrong (laughs) every year, but I think that, I think the wheels are going to come off. I really do. And I could be dead wrong again, and he could post a 300 batting (laughs) average with 15 15 to 20 steals, and I could be very incorrect. But I just, like, I don't see a ton of power there. He gets enough power, but to be going in the top five, at this position, I think he's being drafted a little bit too high, just in my opinion. Now, I will agree with you there, though. I've 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 stopped doubting Tim Anderson at this point. I was one of the ones that did doubt him, uh, basically up until the beginning of last year. Like twenty twenty one draft season was really the first time when I was like, all right, this guy is probably legit now, or at least mostly legit. So uh, I kind of stopped doubting him. But I do, I will agree that. There are others I like more in this range, or I'd rather, you know, at the at Costco, some of the guys that are like a round or two later that I think can give me similar or better overall value at the end of the season. And Anderson, he's still one that, and he's always run some high BABIPs. That, that's always going to be part of his game. But you look at, you know, with the averages he's put up, but the contact rates he's had, like they're solid contact rates, but not, ex- you know, what you'd expect from a guy that's hit well over 300 each of the last three years. He's been. 76% last year, 71.2% in 2020, 77% in 2019. So, yeah, I can I can see 
you know, I might be wrong too. I could see him dropping a bit. I think he'll still be solid. Like a, you know, I, I think the floor is probably like 280, 15, 15 or something like that, which is still good. But is that what you want from a guy that's being taken in the top 40? I, I don't know if I like him that high. I like him, but just not that high. Chris, how about you? Yeah. And I mean, he is going fairly high. I mean, you know, 36 overall over the last month is pretty high. I mean, you look and it's just, he doesn't have the upside and it is interesting. And here's why he sustains a high BABIP is because he, he swings at such a high rate. Uh, the league average swing rate is 47%. And the last year, Anderson's swing percentage was 57.8. So over 10% higher. In the zone swing percentage last year, the league average was 68%. His was 82%. So fourth highest zone swing rate in the league. When you swing a ton, he also makes a ton of contact, which is a good thing. And it, it is helpful because he has the speed as well. So technically, he can still run high BABIPs. And yeah, it's trended downward. But it wouldn't surprise me if he does continue to sustain high BABIPs. And I think he's a good floor player, but you want like a floor player at pick 35. So that's a right. early third round pick. And he's just a floor type guy. He's not, I mean, every, I mean, his best season was 2018. He went 20 home runs, 26 stolen bases. He actually had 240 that year, which is kind of interesting. So yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious because he hasn't eclipsed 2020 since 2018 that is. And so he's come close. But again, this is a situation where his walk rate's so bad that you know his his decently high OBP is fully relying on the batting average, and that that's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, he had a three thirty eight OBP last year with a three oh nine batting average. Career walk rate three point five percent is horrific, so not good at all there. That's one of the worst in the league, exactly. What worst in the league? So yeah, be curious. He's he's not going to give you a ton of RBI either, so you can't even consider him a five category guy. Honestly, like. Is he more of like a, a three and a half category guy? He he's he's got bag now, so we'll give him a one there. He's going to score runs, so two there. Stolen bases are three. He's not really like a, a full category in in home runs. He's not helping you in RBI, so I don't I don't know. He's he's certainly interesting, but I like him, but I don't love him enough to pick him at pick thirty five. He's what I call a five category, three and a half category guy, and I'll explain what that means. <laughs> so that kind of might sound really weird, but. He gives you all five, but like three of them are like, you know, you have like a half point. So it's like one full for average, one full for runs, and then like half for the other three. So it adds up to three and a half. That's what I, you know, it's my little weird analogy, but, hmm, but yeah. Fair. Uh, yeah, it was, I think we all, you know, I think I, I like Anderson, but yeah, I think we're all in agreement. You know, whether you like him or not, that 36 is too high. We'll group him into the, you know, with Trevor Story here, who's being taken right behind him by 0.3 picks on average in january again this all this adp as with previous episodes is nfbc draft champions adp from the january 1st until now and trevor story is going basically the same exact pick as anderson chris w- would you rather have anderson or story and in addition two-parter here let's say story lands in like a really good spot let's you know like with the yankees or with the astros or someone like that how much higher would that bump him up uh, for you on on your draft board? I think he's going to soar pretty much regardless of where he signs. Like it's just a kind of thing where people are sitting and waiting for him to sign. And when he does the, I don't, I won't say soar. I think he he bumps up into the top thirty probably. But yeah, I'd much rather have Story than than Anderson. Even though last year was a down year, he gave zero effort. I mean, look at all that happened over the course of last season with with him and the Rockies, and he wanted to be traded. They wouldn't trade him. Like he had he had zero effort. I mean. 
yeah, you can't fault him. I mean, yeah, it's not the best thing in the world to give no effort in going into a contract year, but they also should have traded him. So he didn't want to be there. It was clear. They gave him the qualifying offer. He declined it. Yeah, whatever. But he still hit 24 home runs, still stole 20 bases. The biggest thing was the batting average was down, but I'm not really concerned about that. His BABIP was was really low last year in comparison. But we seen what, saw what happened with Arenado when he left Coors, and yeah, I do expect the batting average to go down. Like Coors' number one benefactor is batting average, so yeah. we can expect that to go down. But also, he's still going to be a solid player, even if he's a 275 hitter. He's going to give you 30 home runs and 20 stolen bases, in my opinion. So I'd much rather have that than Anderson. And you know, the, the batting average is nice for Tim, but. Give me this upside with Story. He's still got it. There's still a chance that he lands in a really good lineup in Hitters Park, which will only benefit benefit him even more. So, yeah, I'm in on Story at the price actually. I I am too. And you know, even though the batting average dropped off, you know, he was still 2020, and a lot of the other metrics didn't really fall off much at all. They're very similar. Some even improved. He improved the K rate a little bit, a little bit more barrels, a little higher exit velo. You know, all the expected metrics are pretty much in line with previous years. So yeah, maybe he's not first round Trevor Story anymore, but can he still be back end second round Trevor Story? Absolutely. He's still only 29. Like, I feel like Story should be older. He's been around for so long, it feels like, but he's still only 29 years old, still a annual 2020 threat. He's been, uh, let's see, he's been 2020 every year since 2018, and he was on a 2020 or better pace in 2020 i'm saying 2020 way too much in the year 2020 because he had 11 home runs and 15 steals in just 59 games so four straight years of either 20 or of either 25 home runs or more 20 or more steals or being on pace for that and this is the first year the average fell off like but previous three years was 291 294 289 so i could definitely see him bouncing back obviously really depends on where he lands you know i, I think the batting average will probably go down that like chris mentioned course field is a Big boost for for batting average in general. So w- want to see where he lands. But I think this is fair in general. Even if he lands in like a neutral hitter's park, this is still a solid value for a guy that can give you 20-20 from shortstop. And I think there's definitely some room for more there. Uh, Matt, how about you? How are you feeling in story this year? I like him. I don't think I love him because of what I said in my draft strategy earlier on, just at the price he's going, because I like guys like Bogarts. I like guys like Lindor and Seager, who are the next three really going after him, minus Franco and Baez. But um, so I like Sori. I actually had a bet going into the year that his batting average is going to come down. The launch angle concerned me. For my senior uh, research project, I did a... Uh, research on how launch angle affects is wrc plus and he came out as one of the biggest guys that my model kind of predicted regression coming for um and so that 20.8 launch angle from 2020 concerned me and he actually dropped that but his results were worse and so i think he's going to be better than last year a lot of what you guys said he was not he did not care he didn't really want to be there the whole trade deadline debacle where there he he was going to be traded and they didn't trade him. I think that just really impacted him. I will say I looked into his splits home and away. And over the last two seasons at, in cores, he hit 333 and then 296 compared to away. He hit 246 and 203. So I think those concern me a little bit. But if he lands somewhere like New York or Houston or Philadelphia, 
I think the power numbers and the home run numbers are going to be even bigger. And so that kind of neutrals out with any potential drop in batting ever. So I like him. I don't love him at his price just because I like some of the guys going right behind him a little bit better. That's fair. That's fair. Now, before we move on real quick, where do you think, I'm putting everybody in the spot. Where do you think Trevor Story signs? I will say Houston. Chris, where do you think he signs? Dude, I really don't. I mean, Houston's the most natural (sighs) fit. Like when Correa is not coming back. So I don't know. There's like a very few landing spots where he fits well. And Houston's one, New York's one, but where else, you know? Would a dark horse be like Philly? Like, I mean, they I, got I, have a dark, I have a dark horse pick too. I'm going to go. This is a little bit dark horse. I would love if he signed in Philly, um, even though I like Stott a little bit. Um, I'm going to go Seattle. Give me that Seattle. Was my, that was okay. my dark horse. Yeah, I can see They've Seattle. Said, they said they like Crawford playing every day, but I just don't think. I don't know do, if you have the chance. Know? Yeah, right. Does anybody yeah. really like J.P. Crawford playing every day? <laughs> they Seattle will get one of Bryant or Story, in my opinion. So I, I agree. Yeah, that's an interesting spot. I like that, especially you know with, with third base wide open now with with Kyle Seager's retirement. You know yeah. they could always move Story to third eventually. You know once he gets a little older. So yeah, I definitely see him going there as well. Uh, the last two guys we're gonna talk about here before we hit the break are the two going right behind. Uh, the, uh, right behind Story and Anderson and ADP that we kind of already alluded to, Xander Bogarts and Francisco Lindor, who are the seventh and eighth shortstops off the board, respectively, at picks 46.9 for Xander and 49.7 for Francisco Lindor. Let's do a little who would you rather have here, Chris? I know a lot of can depend on team construction, but let's just take that out of it. Who do you think has a better? year in 2022 for fantasy purposes between Xander or Lindor. I just prefer Xander because he's a little safer. Uh, you look in the volatility and he's about as consistent as they come. He's almost like a Freddie Freeman light in a way where he just consistently produces. Yeah, not always put up the power that Freddie has, and that's fine. I mean, he's hitting a good lineup, always going to give you solid average, good power, chip in a couple steals. Yeah, so I love the profile here. You look, he's you know, elite contact, very good solid contact as well. So give me Xander just for the safety blanket. It's surprising that his ADP continues to drop every year. Like I value him as like a near top 25 player, honestly. So give me Xander. Give me the consistency and the trust that I have there. Even though like Lindor's power speed upside is enticing, I'll go with Xander. Yeah, I, I go Xander as well. And not just because I'm a Red Sox fan. I love Xander. He's been so criminally underrated for such a long time now because he doesn't have like that one he doesn't have the huge power doesn't steal a lot of bags even though he gives you usually five to ten every year but he as you mentioned he's just been so freaking consistent like at the last four years 288 309 300 295 23 home runs or better in all four of those years or on pace to be you know he's always a threat for 100 plus rbi 100 plus runs scored over full season hitting in the middle of that boston order you know, Fenway Park is a perfect fit for him. You know, watching Red Sox games every night, Xander just peppers that monster or drives it into the monster seats. A lot of his home runs were out uh, out the left there. Uh, he is a, uh, what's his pull rate? 41.6% last year. So uh, he definitely, you know, is a great fit for Fenway. And I like Lindor. You know, I think I have been a little overly critical of Lindor, especially earlier on last year when he was really struggling. But we've seen the floor Fall, you know, follow up from underneath Francisco Lindor. We saw that last year, 230, 322, 412. And while I could argue he has a slightly higher ceiling for fantasy purposes, and we've seen that, uh, than Xander Bogarts, I'd rather have the safety there 
because I don't, I just don't see Xander having that bottom out two thirty type of season that we saw from Lindor last year. So I will go Xander as well. Matt, how about you? This is so hard for me. I'm going to be the guy and I'll go Lindor so we can talk about it a little bit, but I have these guys <laughs> ranked back to back in my rankings. I have Lindor at three Xander at four. I'm actually working on something right now with ADP and how that kind of translates into success and if certain positions are more successful than others. And what everything you've said about Xander is true. What I found is he's finished inside the top seven at shortstop six of the past seven seasons. And that was not ranked on roto scoring. That was ranked more points focused, but six of the past seven seasons, he's been inside of that top seven. And so that consistency is really, really difficult to pass up. Um, Basically, I think it comes down to team construction. I think Lindor's ceiling is just higher. He The floor fell out last year, but I think that was so unlucky. I mean, he posted a 248 BABIP. He had the same launch angle he's always had. His exit velocity got higher. His max exit velocity was still good. His barrel rate was still good. He had probably one of the best savant seasons he's had in the last few years, and yet he posted a 248 BABIP, the home run for fly ball was lower than the 17% numbers he's posting while he was in Cleveland. I think the lights might've been a little bit too big for him, but as the season went on, he really came into his own and he really thrived in that Mets lineup. That Mets lineup is going to be deep with Marte now, Kana signing there, plus Nimmo still there in front getting on base. So he'll have RBI chances. He'll have run scoring chances. Lindor is probably my guy for this year. I think he bounces back. I think as much as I don't like the Mets as a team, I think he's <laughs> going to have a great season for them. And so I'm going to go Lindor over Xander, um, but it's close. I think both players. It's really if you're chasing the upside for your team, I like Lindor. If you want somebody safe and reliable, I would go with Xander as well. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. And I, I definitely agree with you that I do believe Lindor will bounce back. Maybe not to the levels that we were accustomed to a couple of years ago, but I think there's a nice bounce back for him. So I think both are pretty solid values overall in drafts going in the, you know, in 15 teamers right around that three, four turn there. So that's pretty solid value for both these guys. Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and get into some more ADP talk after. I think we got the top 50 out of the way. So we'll go in some 50 to 100 and some deeper picks in the middle rounds and late rounds. Uh, talk some, a little bit of you know, some prospects coming up this year and a lot more. So stick with us. We'll be back with more Fantrax Toolshed right after this. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. Let's talk a couple of young guns here, two very exciting players, and if we're in or out on them this year at their ADP, and that's Bobby Witt Jr. of the Royals and Wander Franco of the Tampa Bay Rays. 
Franco is going off the board right behind Bogarts and Lindor as the ninth shortstop off the board, pick 55.9 on average. And Whit bit further down, 14th off the board at this position, 91.9 on average. So a guy that's never taken a single swing in the majors, top 100 pick already. Chris, are you buying either of these two at their ADP, or are you out on both? <laughs> this was such a fun debate. I, Rob Silver like got everybody going. He must have been yesterday with his tweet about yeah, Wander and everybody getting riled up about it. And you know, I've said my piece about uh, Wander. I mean, I think he's going to be an elite real life player. There's no questioning about that. Fantasy wise, I just I don't know. I, I'm not doubting he's 20 years old, so I'm not doubting the power can develop. I don't think he's going to run. I also think that he's not going to hit more than 20 home runs this year. Yep. So again, you're looking at someone that gives you good average. He's going to score a lot of runs, probably minimal speed and okay power. So that's why I'm just kind of avoiding them at his cost for, for fantasy purposes. I mean, 55 is fine. Like it's a fine spot. If he falls, I mean like in the battle of the pods, he filled 82. Like that's a good spot. I, I feel comfortable getting him there think the floor is really high but with wit no no chance i'm just avoiding prospects at pretty much all cost unless they've debuted because so much can happen struggles happen you know who knows they may not even run them out on the opening day roster which would be silly but crazier things have happened so yeah i i don't know i'm just kind of avoiding both and and i get it there's upside there's hype but i'd prefer just to to avoid them and take somebody safer because there's a lot of shortstops in this range that I'd much rather have personally. Now, if I told you that I was going to steal your Atlanta Braves championship banner, unless you took one of these two in drafts, who would you pick? Wander for the safety. I just, okay. Wit. I mean, Wit's got the, the upside, no doubt about that, but I think there could be some struggles. I mean, the, the swing and miss, the whiff rate was pretty high last year in double and triple A. So yeah, or tr I'm just slightly concerned about that. All right, Matt, are you in or out on these two guys at their ADP? I think I echo what Chris said for Franco. I mean, I like him. I like him as a player. I think he's 20 years old. He's got great zone contact. I think he's a phenomenal player, going to give you average, but he's not going to run much. If he's going a little bit lower, I think I would definitely be in on him. But above 60, I think is a little bit too high. I like the player. I like the potential. But I think he's just going a little bit too high for my personal preference. Um, Witt, on the other hand, I'm pretty in on at his ADP. It's a little yeah. bit lower, so you're getting him at 92. I think he can be a top 50 player right off the bat. The whiff rate concerns me a little bit, but he showed power. He didn't miss a step when he got promoted from AA to AAA last year. I mean, slugged 581 in AAA, 570 in AA. He's going to give you steals. He'll get on base. I think the Royals are going to put him right into the lineup. They have third base. I think he's a, they know he's a better bat than Nicky Lopez at short. I mean, <laughs> you think <laughs> one would think I, I you hope would they hope, think that. Yeah. You would hope they know they can move Merrifield to the outfield. I mean, I just, I think they're going to be up. I think the CBA is going to change or at least a little bit so that they get him up. I do too. Yeah. hope so. I, I think he's, you're chasing upside a little bit, and I know he hasn't debuted, but I think down in 92, he's got potential to be a top 50 player this year. So I'm pretty in on Wit at his current ADP. 
I'm surprised Witt's ADP isn't even higher, to be honest with you. I thought as we got closer and closer, and it still might win. Hopefully, if we get spring training, if you know the MLB and all the owners get all their heads out of their you-know-whats and get this done, so we get spring training and Witt starts mashing and hitting a more 484-foot blast like he did last year, you'll probably see that ADP get up a good 10, 15 picks, I, I believe. But, you know, I don't, well, I don't have any shares of either of these two guys yet. I don't hate their ADPs. I don't like them either. But, you know, what I think, you know, and I uh, go back to Matt Williams, a, a good, uh, he does these player breakdown threads on Twitter. You should check those out. Very, very detailed, very informative. Um, he did one on, on Wander a few weeks back. And you know, at the end of the last uh, tweet in the tweet thread, he always kind of puts his you know projections for 2022. And I think he had Wander around like, you know, over 300, with like I think 18 homers, nine steals, and I read around like 190 combined runs and RBIs, which I think is fair. I think Wander could be 90 plus on both runs and RBI. I think 16, 17, 18 home runs is fair as well. I don't know, maybe a little bit less than steals. I don't know. He, he could run and still 12 to 15, but I wonder if it's going to be more like six or seven. But obviously, he, he's almost a lock th- for 300. So basically, comparing him to like a Tim Anderson, he could be Tim Anderson minus some speed you know that's really the the bigger difference there so you know picking him in the 55 ranges and you know i i think i like other values better so i've been going other ways but i don't hate that same thing with wit obviously i've been avoiding prospects for the most part at least in the early rounds i don't have any wit i don't have any adley i've been going more like maybe a little bit later with like josh young and riley green and those types but you know for a guy that he could go 2020 this year I don't know. Like the upside is there for top 50. I totally agree there, but you know, we could get a, a, you know, 240 average and 15, 15, which is still, you know, it's a decent rookie showing, but is that, you know, top 100 pick worthy? No. So um, I think this is a wide range as there are with every prospect. We saw that last year with Jared Kelnick struggling that we didn't think was a struggle. So never know with these prospects. So I'm out on, I guess I'm out on him and his ADP, but then again, it wouldn't shock me if he returned top 50 value. That really wouldn't shock me at all. He's that talented. Talk about a guy that had a 33 homer, 29 steal season last year while hitting 290, 361, 576. So he's my number one fantasy prospect for a reason. But I think this year I might pump the brakes a little bit uh, at his ADP. Another kind of wide range ADP guy, Javier Baez. Now his ADP uh, in January NFBCs, he's going off the board right behind Wander at 63.5 overall, 10th shortstop off the board. He has dual eligibility, but the volatile profile uh, that we've kind of just a few of those guys with the separate profile, the aggressive profile, but he strikes out more than the other guys that we've already talked about. So, Matt, are you in or out on Javier Baez as a, a fifth rounder in NFBC, like 15 team leagues? Very out. <laughs> I'm <laughs> out. I don't the he's a frustrating player to roster because I've done it in previous seasons. You get some real good highs and then you get some real bad lows and streaky players like that are just difficult. I think um, the whiff percentage is not good. The strikeouts are not good. I think he's going to lose some of his home runs going to uh, Comerica. I think, I know you guys talked about that a little bit when you did second base. Um, yeah. I think he is going to lose some of that power. I think he'll be fine. I think he's going too high, too high for my liking. So I'm out on bias. 
Chris, I know we already talked with him a little bit, but just quickly, are you in or out on uh, Baez at 65? Yeah, it's too high. I think there's so much volatility. Yeah, I think there's an intriguing power speed blend, and that's the reason he's going this high. But with the volatility, don't love Comerica. I mean, it's a, I would say it's a lineup downgrade to an extent unless they go out and get somebody else. I know Green and Torque are coming, but you can't count on that yet. So, uh-huh. and, and they're rookies too. Who knows? What right. Give you this year. Right. Listen, they're not going to be, they, sorry, I won't say they, they won't be, but they might not be huge impacts right off the bat. So I think that's really important. But yeah, I'm just going to avoid him at the cost unless he falls pretty significantly, which won't really happen. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. No, I, I'm out. I, I don't think it's a terrible ADP. We've seen him return value well above this. Uh, when he's on, he's one of the, you know, can be one of the guys that carries your team for multiple weeks at a time. But this, the the peaks and valleys are just so profound yeah. with Javier Baez. And I, said, I like him. Well, he's actually he's a really fun player to watch. I think he's one of the most exciting players in baseball in general. See what he does defensively as well up the middle. But yeah, for fantasy, I'm out. And a lot of that has to do with a couple of the guys going behind him. Uh, we, already, we already talked about Jazz, so let's skip over Jazz here. But uh, we have an intriguing set of three players with wit in here as well, but we have talked about yet. Yeah, Jorge Polanco, 12th shortstop off the board, 84.7. Corey Seager, 86.9. And Carlos Correa, I'm surprised he's only going at 107.6. That is very surprising to me, honestly. But for me, you know, a guy that I've been targeting a ton is Corey Seager. Like I said earlier, I think he's one of the top five, you know, best pure hitting shortstops in the game. Even last year, yeah, he was limited to 409 plate appearances. Still slash 306, 394, 521. His XBA has been 295 and 326 each of the last two years. And it's been above 288 in all six of his seasons. All seven seasons. It's been around seven years. Wow. Um, all seven years except for 2019. You know, the hard hit rate has been above 49% each of the last two years. Quality of contact is there. Bail rates well over 10%. Average XFB low. 93, 2 and 91 each of the last two years. He doesn't steal. I get that. People like getting speed, especially in the top 100 picks. But assuming he's healthy, and that's, you know, that's an F. You know, he's, you know, th- he's missed a good amount of time over the last handful of years. He's only played over 130 games three times, the last of which being 2019, um, and under 100 games in three of the last four years. Well, one of those was the short in 2020 year. But I think there's a chance for, you know, 30 and 30 and 100 and 100 with a really good average. Like he could be Freddie Freeman type numbers without the speed and getting that at pick, you know, in the eighties here, I'm all over it. But uh, between Seager and Correa here, Matt, are you liking either of these ADPs for this year? I love Seager's ADP. I really am echoing everything he said over the past. I know it's over a few seasons because he has struggled to stay healthy, but his last 641 plate appearances He's hit 306, slugging 545. Like, that value that late in drafts is just hard to replicate. And so, no, he's not going to steal. I think the Rangers lineup is going to be better than people give it credit for. I think Nathaniel Lowe, um, now that he's going by Nathaniel, (laughs) (laughs) I think he's going to take some steps forward. They got Young coming up. Um, Semyon's going to be over there. So I don't think it's going to be that bad. It's not going to be the Dodgers juggernaut of a lineup. Right. But I don't think it's going to be that bad. And you're already seeing him discounted some because of the injury. So I think he's great value going that late. I like Correa's value too. I think he's pretty fairly valued. Um, I'm surprised he's as low as he is too. But Correa or Seager's the one that I'm all over. Yeah, I, I am really surprised. Yeah, I, I love Seager, but 
Correa, that's a very good value because Correa could put up similar numbers, not, not quite as much average. I think you know Seager will probably get him by a good twenty points there. But yeah, you know, the the counting stats, home run, he doesn't steal at all either. So the, you know, home runs, RBI, and run could be pretty similar if they both play a comparable amount of games. But yeah, Correa, I think, is a really solid value, which is surprising because of how kind of buzzy his name is right now with him being the big name on the market. You know, ten plus year, three hundred plus million dollar deal waiting for him wherever he wants to go. So I'm surprised he's where he is. I think he's actually moved down. I think he was going in like in the late nineties. Now he's kind of dropped about five, 10 spots. So um, that's, that's very surprised. So I like both of these values actually, which is surprising because I've, I've kind of been out on Correa the last handful of years. And I'm one that thinks he should not get the contract he's going to get because he hasn't really proven that he's that type of player. He's good. Maybe very good, but is he an elite player? I don't think so. Um, but that's what they're, they're going right these days for a top shortstop. You know, we saw what Corey Seager got from Texas. So I like both these values a good amount. But uh, Chris, what are, you, what are your thoughts on these two here in 2022? Yeah, and both these players have a strong chance to return a positive uh, on your investment. I mean, yeah, look where they're going and just look at the potential value. And, you know, some reference to the Battle of the Pods, we got Seager at 97, which is fantastic. Correa went 131 in that draft, which is insane to me. I mean... I just think that there's a lot of value to be had here. And you look at some of the other players going ahead of them, and I think that, you know, you're drafting them and they have to do what you expect them to do in order to, you know, just give you a net zero. But with Seager and Correa, I, I see it pretty easy for them to return value. Uh, I do think that uh, Correa's landing spot matters, but he's going to sign with a contender. He's not going to sign with with a, a nobody team. So, you know, I think that he could be a stud with the Yankees, honestly. Put him in that lineup. You know, I'd, I'd love to see what he could do in Yankee Stadium. I just think that you – I guess people are discounting what he did last year and the fact that he stayed healthy, which was a big deal. But still, I mean, he's he's been consistent, you know, consistent contact hitter. He actually had the best zone contact of his career last year, the best overall contact of his career since his rookie year, you know, when everybody went crazy and thought he was going to be, you know, the next big thing. He just Inclu- doesn't – Including me. <laughs> right. I mean, he was. 2015, he was 20 years old, and he, he was so dominant. But, yeah, I mean, I think that he's going to give you – a solid batting average, really nothing fancy, but maybe a 275, 25 plus home runs and a lot of counting stats running RBI. So both of them, if they can stay healthy, which Seager, everybody wants to chalk him up as injury prone, but he's had some fluky injuries over the years. So, you know, I'm willing to give him a pass. And I think Seager is just a great pure hitter. And yeah, I like him in Texas actually. And I think that's a good spot for him. Like you mentioned, that lineup is going to be pretty solid. I think it's, you know, not a lead, but it's better than most people give it credit for. So yeah, I'll be happy with either at their landing spot, honestly. Yeah, I do think the Rangers line is going to be pretty solid. Obviously, adding Seager and Semyon helps, but you look at their projected starting nine here. You know, they you know Russell Resource has Calhoun leading off. Who knows? So this is not you know Russell Resource is not you know completely accurate, but they have Calhoun leading off. But then Semyon in the two hole, Seager three, Adelis Garcia, Nathaniel Lowe, Cole Calhoun. You know that's you know that's not a bad heart of the order. Uh, obviously, Garcia could be you know hit or very hit or miss there. So we'll see how uh, which Garcia we see in 2022. But yeah, I think this is gonna be at least maybe like a you know middle of the pack offense at least. I think I like Nathaniel Lowe. I want to call him Nate every time. Um, Chris, remember when you put po- Chris you posted something about uh, Lowe? I think it was some nice statistical yeah. breakdown or something. I forget what it was, launch angle or hard hit rate. Right? I don't know what it was. I can't remember. But then I, I posted the. Uh, that Winnie the Pooh 
um meme where it's like normal winnie the pooh and i put like nate next to that and then oh yeah the fancy winnie the pooh and Uh, yeah that was funny (laughs) yeah i love nathaniel it could be very very um it's like the original preciato this sounds very very fancy saying nathaniel instead of nate but yeah so uh moving on here though a couple other short stops that are going pretty close in adp so far uh, going as you know the tail end of this quote unquote like the guys that I feel comfortable having as my starters. These are the 17th and 18th shortstops on the board here, going at pick 128 and 130 on average. That's Dansby Swanson of your Atlanta Braves, Chris, and Willie Adames of the Milwaukee Brewers, who broke out second half of last year. We all kind of expected that. So let's put another another little head-to-head battle here of who would you rather have? Matt, 2022 only, who would you rather have, Willie Adames or Dansby Swanson? I'm going to go with Adames. I think they're very similar. I have them ranked back-to-back, or pretty close in my rankings also. Um, I'm going to go with Adames. I think just his stat line in Milwaukee last year, hitting 285, slugging 521. I think he's going to be just – I think he's more upside than Swanson. I think Swanson's a good player. I would be fine taking either really at their ADP. I don't dislike either one of them, but I think if I had to pick, I would chase the upside in Adamus, I think. Which one of you has the, the train in the background? That's me. Okay. It's horrible. When it, when it blurs, <laughs> it's horrible, and it's so loud. I only, I only heard it faintly, out. but is anybody else like, whenever I hear a train horn, I just start thinking of the uh, 8 Mile Eminem movie and the song. Uh-huh. Am I the only one that does that? Every time I hear it, I start singing like, I don't know why. Um, it's a good movie, though. Um, Chris, you know, who'd you rather have? Swanson, Adames? I'll take Adames. And, you know, who he was in Milwaukee last year was who he has been for his career on the road. His yep. his career splits. I mean, he's a 300 hitter on the road. You know, he complained about the batter's eye and trop. And it seems like that complaint was legitimate because, you know, he's career 300 on the road. Uh, 36 home runs on the road as opposed to 27 at home. Actually, pretty similar uh, plate appearances there. So interesting stats there. I don't know. I just really think it's a great place to hit in Milwaukee. I'm, I'm kind of buying that he's going to be a legit hitter, and he ships in a couple of steals. Dansby probably gives you a few more steals, but you know I'm looking at Adamas to at least chip in you know a handful, which is nice. And I think I think Adamas gives you a better batting average. Like I think at the end of the day, they're pretty similar. Probably similar power. I would give it uh, Swanson a little edge in stolen bases, but I really do think that the bag average is, you know, much higher for Adonis this year. And the projections aren't favorable on him, but I don't think they're taking into account what he did on the road and into in Milwaukee. So yeah, I'm, I'm thinking he's a 280 hitter, honestly. Yeah, I, I definitely echo a lot of what both of you said, and I take Adonis as well. I think it is close. Like I have them only two spots apart uh, in my shortstop rankings, but yeah. You know, after the trade, which was in, I think it was like mid to late May. So he played 99 games with Milwaukee last year, 285, 366, 521 slash line, 26 doubles, 20 home runs, 58 RBI and 61 runs. So that is, you know, uh, now I'm doing this math in my head here about what 30 low thirties home run pace over a hundred RBI and runs, you know, adding in a handful of steals. Yeah, I think definitely the you know, maybe if you look at the other four stats in your, in your basic five by five, they could be pretty similar between the, uh, the two of these guys. But yeah, I think there's definitely a you know 20, 30 points difference there, and even potential for more power from Adame. Is like I, I see him hitting over thirty, and I think that you know the Atlanta lineup will obviously be very good as well. 
But Milwaukee, I think, could be a sneaky good lineup. You know, obviously you need Christian Yelich to bounce back uh, from what he was last year. They added Hunter Renfro. I think Rowdy Telez could be a breakout. Luis Arias has been on the rise. So we're like one through seven. That's a pretty solid lineup. You got Colton Wong probably leading off as well. So, uh, and Adamius probably hits high, you know, second or third in that lineup, depending where they want to slot Yelich. So, yeah, I definitely like uh, Adamius. I like both these guys at their ADPs, honestly. But if I had to pick one, I would go with uh, Adamius. So, clean sweep here for Willie Adamius. Uh, let's move on to another interesting guy, uh, a little bit further down in ADP, but in this general range. A guy that's always a good conversational piece on Twitter, and that is Glaber Torres. Uh, he is going, uh, he's the 20th shortstop off the board with Chris Taylor uh, ahead of him, but pick 144 on average, so only about a full round or so behind Adames and Swanson. Chris, are you in or out on Glaber at that price tag? Um, honestly, I don't really know what to make of him, so I'd rather just avoid him because I don't, <laughs> that's I don't fair. I, I don't think he returns to the elite levels. I mean, you look at the elite seasons, and it was just he dominated Baltimore and, and Camden. So I don't I don't expect that. And that fence moving back, he's not gonna be able to do it again. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think he's okay. I don't think he's great. I think we see some of the power come back. He's not gonna steal 14 bases again. Like the projections are are silly. I'll project him over 10. I expect five, like, and I'd be okay with five if I had him on my team. 14 is just was kind of crazy. I think he realized when he didn't have anything else going, he was going to steal bases, try to help the team because he could do nothing else. Right. Uh, everything else lined up. I mean, you look, it's contact rates, it's zone contact. They they all lined up. Just the home run to fly ball really came down uh, the last two years in 2020 and 2021. And for a guy that doesn't hit the ball hard, that's kind of to be expected. But I, th- I think we see him as a 20 home run bat, steals five bases, hits 260. Just don't see that as uber valuable by any means. So I just prefer to avoid him because I think he could go a, a lot of ways. Yeah, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Like if Glaber Torres is playing on Kansas City or Detroit or I don't know, Oakland or any other team that's not huge market, like the, and gets all the public, the New York Yankees, he's not, his ADP is 40 spots lower. He's, he's probably around 280p. Like, he, that one season, which is Baltimore Oriole boosted, uh, is still in the back of everyone's mind. In fact, he's a Yankee shortstop. Always has the allure of you know one of the that's one of the sexiest positions in all of North American major sports. So, yeah, he he's okay. I, I <laughs> he's okay. Like I'm, I don't I don't like it. I, he's not, the profile is not great. The quality of contact metrics are not good. You know, there's a decent little power speed blend here, but as Chris mentioned. Now it's not great. Like he was only running last year because, like I say, nothing else to do, and he only hit nine home runs last year. So while he stole a little bit more, he hit less home runs than he ever has. And you know, this is a guy that only had a one point nine percent barrel rate in twenty twenty. That is atrocious. Even last year it was seven point eight. That's okay. It's not great. Um, you know, the, the approach is good. That's he always has that going for him. So I don't think the average will ever fall off. He'll probably always be a two sixty two seventy guy. But with you know, a 15-15 ceiling, maybe a little more power. I think you can get up into the high teens, but I don't know. I, I just don't like the profile overall. Uh, Matt, how about you? Are you in or, in or out on Glaber here? Uh, undecided, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I, kind of what Chris said. I'm pretty much avoiding him just because I am undecided. I since, From August forward, he had an expecting batting average at 296. He hit like 
305 from August forward. So he did show some improvement later on in the season. I don't know what changed really for him. He got more comfortable. He started hitting more line drives, which boosted his uh, batting average, which a 26% line drive rate probably isn't very sustainable for him. But I don't hate him. I don't think he's ever going to be that 30-plus homer guy, like you guys are saying. I don't think he's going to be as bad as he was this year. I think the power will start to come back some. I think the batting average could boost if he keeps doing a little bit of what he was doing. I don't think he's going to run very much. I think I'm projected like eight steals. Um, I think he's fine. I don't think he's anybody that I'm targeting. I'm not. If he falls some, I'm not necessarily avoiding him. If he wants to fall another 15, 20, 30 picks after that, I'll take him because I think there is some upside there. But he is only 25, but I'm not all in on him. I'm kind of very lukewarm. Yeah, it feels like he's, he's another guy that feels like should be older than he actually is because he, I think he debuted, he debuted at 20 or 21. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, like I said, I'm not, I don't hate the price, but when I, I just look further down, like at this point in the draft, ideally I already have my starting shorts and maybe even two of those guys. There's been a lot of drafts where I've come out with two of the top 18 guys. So, get a little Bogarts in the round three and then pair him up with like some Adames in, in round what eight or nine, whatever that, whatever that is. So um, if I already have two, you know, shortstops here, so I have my shortstop and my middle infield spot already secure, I'm usually looking elsewhere. So yeah, ideally I'm looking elsewhere here. Like I'm go getting some pitching an outfielder, maybe a closer, uh, you know, corner use probably corner infielders more. So, um, so you're definitely looking elsewhere. But then also there's some guys that are just a little bit further down, a couple of rounds lower, I just like just as much or even more. Like you look uh, full, God, what is that? 70 spots later, you can get Brandon Crawford, who's coming off a breakout year, whether we believe it or not, we'll get into. But, you know, I don't think there's a huge, I don't think there's a 70 pick gap in value between Gleyber Torres and Brandon Crawford. It's because Gleyber Torres has the sexier name, plays for the sexier team. You know, even though, you know, San Fran just won 108 games or whatever it was last year and made it to the uh, to the NLCS. But Crawford put up a 298, 24 homer, 11 steal season with 79 runs and 90 RBI. Like, I could easily see him outperforming Glaber Torres this year. Uh, another one that's, you know, eh, a little bit risky, but Eugenio Suarez could bounce back. And even if he hits his 230, 240, he could hit 40 home runs with dual third base shortstop eligibility. So, you know, there's other guys I like, and, and the other guy, Lucia Rias, is in that range. I like a lot more. So for me, there's just a lot other guys I like in this range. If I'm looking for another middle infielder, I'll go with those guys. Um, but uh, Chris, what, what are your thoughts? What are some guys, some some of your top targets in this range? Like you know, 150 to you know 200 or 225 range. Who are some guys you really like here? I'm willing to take a shot on O'Neill Cruz. I, I think that there's interesting power speed blend here. I think. I do think the projections are a little overrating him and people are going a little crazy. But after pick 200, I think he could do a lot worse. And yeah. I think he's going to play every day. Should be the everyday shortstop. He, he even could get like he could get corner outfield eligibility. Like I could see him just not working out at shortstop. They move him in the outfield. Give him shortstop and outfield eligibility. That'd be awesome. Surprisingly, hits for a good average. So I'm willing to take a shot there. I, I do like Cruz a little bit. Don't love this range personally. But it's just one of those where it's like you get it early or you just – you get it early, actually, you don't wait because if you wait, you're you're just 
out of luck. But I do like some targets going like after pick 250, going pretty deep. I, I'd prefer to go there than the 150, 250 range. I just prefer to get my shortstop early. And then I like a couple guys later. So O'Neill Cruz in that range would be honestly the one that really the only one I really like. So, you know, are, are you kind of similar to me? Like, ideally, are you already, you know, securing a middle infield spot before you get to this point in your draft? Like, are you getting two of those top 18 guys like I try to do? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't want to have to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way of putting it. You don't have to deal with this range because, yeah, it's well, I think you could find some hidden value. Like I said, I, I think Suarez could bounce back. I, I don't I'm not fully buying Crawford, but. I think he's again. I think he's better. Could be better than Glaber Torres, and you know, I think I like Luis Urias. I don't like Brendan Rodgers. I've said that before. I'm not a big Rodgers guy. I do love Cruz though. He's super intriguing at, at 205 on average, uh, range of 156 to 245. Yeah, that he's just one of the most fun prospects that's come up. You know, recently, huge, huge power. Like he could hit 25 this year. And Pittsburgh, like I said, the top of that lineup, I think, could be pretty solid. Uh, especially with like you know Brian Reynolds hitting right in the middle of that too, so yeah, I, I like Odell Cruz a lot this year as well. I've I got a couple of shares of him so far. Probably get a couple more here before the draft season is done. Matt, what, what are your thoughts in this range in general? You know, like the two hundred range, give or take. Anybody you like in here? I don't love it. I like Cruz. Um, I think a lot of it depends on roster construction. If you're looking to find looking for a shot, somebody with upside, I think Cruz is your guy. Um, you can even pair him maybe if you're afraid of the upside and you're looking for middle infield. I don't hate pairing Cruz, even though I don't love Brandon Crawford. I think he's got a steady enough floor that if you're trying to take a shot on upside with Cruz, you could maybe pair him with Crawford in those late rounds. If you have the roster spaces, obviously it's very league dependent, roster dependent, um, but you could pair him there. I don't hate Suarez for what you said. He could hit. 30 homers easily potentially even 40 and that he not he's not going to provide you a ton of average it could be in the 240s so it won't kill you and he'll give you the power the home runs rbis things like that that you could potentially need so those are two guys that i'm okay taking cruz and suarez pretty much everybody else i'm out on though in that 150 to 250 range yeah there's a lot of players here I'm out on, like I said, Brendan Rogers. I think Ahmed Rosario is a bit high. Again, I don't hate the profile, but he's being taken right around pick 150 on average. I think that's a bit high for him. Um, Gavin Lux is going in that range too. Nicky Lopez is another intriguing one. He's going pick 235. A lot of uh, most of his value last year was with the speed at a solid average as well. But he's a z- basically a zero and home runs and RBI. He'll get you solid run scored. You know per game, but you know, with Wit coming up and Mondesi back and hopefully healthy for them, at least they and they hope he's healthy. Um, there might not be a spot for him. Yeah, they can move Wit to the outfield, but it's a lot of moving parts in Kansas City. So we could see Lopez, you know, maybe not start every day and kind of limit his overall value. So uh Chris, are you you know are you out on Lopez at that range or are you, are you kind of liking it because of the speed? No, I think it's really silly to draft him that high there's zero upside here Uh, yeah the stolen bases are nice but he could be out of a job pretty quick with what's coming in kansas city so there's i I can't imagine i mean that's why you got to get speed early so you don't have to do this yeah he hit 300 last year i think it's fluky i I don't see him hitting 300 again or anywhere close to it he's giving you zero pop minimal rbi and not even 
a ton of stolen bases. So it's it wouldn't surprise me at all if he hits 260 with two home runs and 15 stolen bases, and you just wasted a pick. So, yeah, count me out. Yeah, it's, it's best to not put yourself in a spot where you have to chase speed with guys like Nicky Lopez. Like, that's the really the main reason you'd be going after him in this, you know, 250 range or wherever he falls to you. It's like, all right, crap, I didn't address speed like I should have in the early rounds, and I have to take Nicky Lopez, even though there's plenty of other guys I'd probably rather have the spot. So you don't put yourself in that position. Whether you get speed, you know, in, in bigger clusters or you kind of spread it out, definitely don't put yourself in that position uh, to be having to draft Nicky Lopez uh, in the 250 range. I, I'm not going to go after that at all. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, getting a little late in the show. Uh, let's go 250 plus. Give us a, like a target or two that we really like in that range. Matt, I'll start with you. Who's a guy or two you like into the uh, 250 plus ADP range? One of the guys I think not enough people are talking about is Jeremy Pena. I think that Houston is prepared to let him play shortstop. I don't know if they're going to go after Correa story. I think they'll make an attempt to bring Correa back, but those sides seem pretty far off on a deal last time they talked. And I think story is going to look for a similar number. So I think Pena's got an interesting profile. I think the power is starting to develop a little bit later than a lot of people thought it would, but that power is starting to come. Um, I think he's got a good line drive, good pull hitter already, especially in Houston. That could be big for a right-handed hitter. So if I'm taking a shot on somebody, if Houston came out and said we're not signing a shortstop or we could fast-forward into the future two months and he was the starting shortstop, I think his ADP would fly up boards just because he's guaranteed a starting spot. So I think going as late as he is all the way down, what was his ADP? Um, all the way down at 524. I think that's one of my favorite targets that laid outside of the 250 range. Um, I like Bryson Stott a little bit too. I just think so the Phillies I. are, I think the Phillies are done with DD Gregorius. I, they can't move his contract. I watched him play, and they said he had an arm injury, but I don't know how much of that is accurate or how much he's just kind of done. And they have Stott. They want to get Stott. They could even trade Segura for a reliever if they wanted to and have Stott play second base. So they have options. I think they're going to get his bat into the lineup, and he's going almost as late, not quite as late as Pena, but almost as late. So those are two guys that I'd be targeting outside of the 250 range. Yeah, I love Bryce Desaad as well. He's definitely one that I've been targeting, and a lot, a lot in DCs and best balls, and even in you know your standard twelve teamer. You know, he's a great late round flyer. He should be up early. You know, doesn't have the huge profile, but I've said it before. Like he's tailor made for like the number two spot in the lineup ahead of Bryce Harper. Whether he gets there this year to that spot, you know, that remains to be seen. But you know, could be you know a twenty homer, fifteen type of profile long term with a good average, good OBP, good run score type of you know player. So. Yeah, I really like Stott a lot that late. Um, another one I like is, you know, I like Jose Barrero a decent amount too. You know, they have Kyle Farmer in Cincinnati as their current starting shortstop, but Kyle Farmer is not fitting in the long-term plans <laughs> for Cincinnati. It was a nice little story. He helped them when they needed a shortstop desperately. Like when you're playing Eugenio Suarez at short, you know you're getting desperate. So yeah, he was definitely a nice stopgap, you know, stop the bleeding type of player, but he's not a long-term guy, but Jose Barrero, good defensive shortstop. That's really come on offensively the last few years. Look at 2021. We had 85 games between double A AA and triple A. 
slash 303, 385, 39, 19 homers and 16 steals. Oni was caught four times as well with a walk rate close to 10%. Uh, K rate under a little, a little over 20%, but you know, solid profile there. So I think he gets a shot early in the year and I will be, I'll be willing to take him uh, on the tail end of, you know, 12 teamers or, you know, I think where's he going in, uh, where's he pick 374. I think that, that's very fair for what he could bring. And he's already gotten a cup of coffee. So I think he's a guy that could have a decent impact for where he's being taken there. So that's not another one I like there. Uh, Chris, who do you like in this range? Well, I was going to go with Barrero. I love that pick a lot. So I'm going to go with Paul DeYoung, and this is an interesting pick because this is some you know stuff that you pick up on when you dig through the news that he's completely reworked his swing. And I'm trying to find it because I read it a couple of days ago. I'm pretty certain he's working with the hitting coach that reworked uh, J.D. Martinez swing, if I'm not mistaken. I wish I could find it to confirm. But uh, their hitting coach that he's working with has a great track record of uh, really getting guys going. And so – you know, De Jong's not bad. I mean, we saw him be pretty bad last year. He, he's he got decent power, um, not much average, and we've seen the average kind of tail off. I mean, his 2017 season's rookie year, he hit 285. It's kind of been downhill from there. But I'm intrigued because there is power. We've seen him hit 30 home runs. We've seen him hit 25. You know, with, ga- with enough games played, he's easy at 30 home run bat. And if he's really reworking that swing – Seeing the average tick up could be underrated. The St. Louis lineup's pretty good. So he's one to watch. I'd keep an eye on him because I do think that's important to note is that he is uh he's working on that swing change. And these are little things, little nuggets that are are worth picking up on. Yeah, for sure. A couple other names I like here that are, you know, not quite as sexy, but you know, Miguel Rojas is not, you know, exciting at all, but it's a pretty, you know, solid late round, you know, pick 350-ish range target. Like last year, he had nine homers and 13 steals in 132 games. He's going to be Miami starting shortstop this year. Uh, he's hit uh, 265, 304, and 284 the last three years. So, you know, 10, you know, 10 homer, 13 steal profile, solid average. He's playing. At least he should unless he you know, falls out of favor there. So that's a decent, you know, floor guy. And then Jonathan VR as well. You know, it depends on where VR lands and if he's it lands in a, you know, team where he can play five, six times a week. But that's always a nice little power speed limb there. Not not the 2440 variety we saw in 2019, but last year, 18 homers, 14 steals, 249 average doesn't kill you. Um, so for where he's going, you know, late 300, you know, around 300 or so, you know, just keep an eye on VR. If he lands in a good spot, I wouldn't you know, be opposed taking him there as well. But that is going to wrap us up. Matt, thank you for so much for coming on. This was a, a really fun segment, and uh, it was fun talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was a blast. Yeah, man. Thank you again. I really enjoyed this. So, good show. Good talk. Uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of our positional previews. But, yeah, this one was good for sure. It's always fun talking shortstop. And we got another big one up next, which will be out on Monday. That is the outfield position. Two more great guests. This is going to be a fun show. We got... Sleepy K, Mike Curlin coming on, along with George Montanez. Great duo there, so that'll be another fun episode. But that is going to wrap us up today with the shortstop position. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this week. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow all of us on Twitter. Matt is at Heckman underscore Matt 115. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our, our written work at Fantrax HQ or for Matt as well over on Prospects Worldwide. 
and join us again next week for that outfield preview. But until then, everyone take care. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world.